Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Four hundred and fifty million people currently suffer from mental illness on this planet. That is one in four people across every country. An estimated 51.5 million adults aged 18 or older in the United States have been diagnosed with some form of mental illness. That is one in five U.S. adults. Over one trillion dollars are spent globally on depression. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for people aged 15 to 29. Do you hear these numbers? This is not something to take lightly. Depression and anxiety are very common, they are very real, and mental illness is on the rise. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness. An estimated 284 million people in the world experience an anxiety disorder. In the U.S., 40 million adults age 18 and older, or 18.1% of the population, have an anxiety issue each year. Globally, more than 264 million people of all ages suffer from depression. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide and is a major contributor to the overall global burden of disease. More women are affected by depression and anxiety than men. Luckily, there are medications and programs that help from light to severe cases. Unfortunately, many people do not receive or search for treatment. PTSD is no longer diagnosed for only our wartime vets. Trauma affects everyone and can crumble who we are on the inside, no matter our age, 
our sex, our race, or our environment. Many with PTSD go without help or treatment. This can lead to substance abuse, abusive relationships, and even suicide. We have a mental health problem. For the most part, we do not know a lot about mental illness. We have an idea. We have a hunch of what might work, but what works for one person might not work for the other. The brain locks up a lot of mysteries and has yet to tell us where the key happens to be to unlock it. So we sling stuff at the wall to see what sticks. There is one thing, though, that is very important. Talking about it, getting it out in the open, breaking down the stigma of what people with mental illness look or act like. We are social beings. We crave to interact with people, even us with major social anxiety. We deserve to understand more about mental illness and how to get the support and treatment that we need. This episode is a very special episode. This is a longer episode, but so very important. We're going to be touching on mental illness and trauma. I'm your host, Lee White, and this is the Happy Social Experiment. Okay, deep breath. Here we go. One, two, three. Happy. Feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. Social. An informal social gathering especially one organized by the members of a particular club or group, needing companionship and therefore best suited to living in communities. Experiment. A scientific procedure undertaken to make a discovery, test a hypothesis, or demonstrate a known fact. This is the happy social experiment. Having a mental illness is interesting to say the least. Myself, I'm bipolar. This means I have a chemical imbalance in my head and I have highs and lows of emotions. Sometimes it's light and I'm just grumpy and on edge. Other times I don't leave the house. I cry for no reason. I scream at walls. I think about death on the regular. It gets dark every once in a while. Not necessarily about my death, but I get this weird anxiety where I'm afraid of everyone around me dying. I get restless. I call my wife, making sure that she is okay. Worry about my friends and family's safety to the extremes where my heart races and I pace. Thinking that I'm going to get that phone call or see police pull into the driveway to deliver me terrible news. Because of this, I do not keep super close relationships with friends or family. A handful of people who I literally keep close. I can count them on one hand. I think that the smaller the group, the easier it will be to lose those on the outside of the circle. I know it won't. I know I cannot escape that pain. But the brain tells me weird shit sometimes. Now before I got help and on a path of control, I hid my emotions. Like so many others around us, I wore an emotion mask. Because if you can't see the cracks then it's not real. And I can handle it. For me, it was, I'm a man. I can handle this. Only the weak break. It was just this primal wannabe alpha male bullshit oozing from me. Laugh it off, and they will laugh with you. So I did. I laughed it off. 
But at night, my brain told me I was breaking. And I did. I did hard. Thank God my wife helped me. She is truly a blessing. Forty plus years ago, mental illness had a stigma. You didn't talk about it. Families swept under rugs and made excuses. The word odd was tossed around a lot. That odd kid in the back of the room? Don't talk to him. Something's not right about him. You see that woman over there? She has a case of the sads. She should just get over it. Maybe she should try smiling more. Sadly, many of these stigmas remain. Educate the public. Tell your friends and family about mental illness, how it affects you and them. Besides, knowing is half the battle, Yojo. Early stages of helping those of mental illness wasn't what I would call helping. From bloodletting, purging, cracking one's skull, and removing some of the bone, to release the demons. Hyperthermia-inducing ice baths. Isolation, electrocution, and lobotomies have been used over the past 7,000 years, and there have been hundreds of other methods. Like I said earlier, we threw stuff on a wall just to see what would stick. Today, the most common treatment is medication. Some more severe cases still use a form of electrotherapy or surgery. Many professionals believe that less intrusive methods can help far more. For example, therapy, medication, exercise, change of diet and habits, and learning ways to release stress and anxiety in positive ways. So who is at risk for mental disorders? Short answer, anybody. What can cause a mental disorder? Genetics, individual attributes such as the ability to manage one's thoughts, emotions, behaviors, and interactions with others, but also social, cultural, economic, political, and environmental factors such as national policies, social protection standards of living, working conditions, and community support. Basically, everything around us. Health systems have not responded well to the burden of mental disorders. There's a major gap in the need for treatment and its provision all over the world. In low- and middle-income countries, more than 76% of the people with mental disorders receive no treatment for their disorder. And the poor quality of care of those that do receive treatment, it compounds on the situation. In addition to support from health care services, people with mental illness require social support and care. They often need help in accessing educational programs which fit their needs and in the finding of employment and housing which enable them to live and be more active in their communities. I'm not a licensed therapist or medical doctor. I'm just someone that has bipolar and wants to bring awareness to those that are living with someone or themselves with a mental illness and that they know that they are not alone. This podcast is about sharing stories on experiences and the life lessons that we have learned. If it were not for the people that I interview, it would not be happy, nor social, nor an experiment. I have gathered some of my most trusted friends from different social circles, and what happened is, you're gonna have to listen. 
sitting around a table, getting people to expose themselves for snacks and laughs. Okay, so sitting down with some friends, and we're going to talk about mental illness and how we personally deal with uh, mental illness. Everybody at this table um, has dealt with it somehow, either personally or with family or friends. And um, so we're going to we're just going to go ahead and start on this. Okay, so how do you? Because you haven't had a, a, a bout in a long time, at least not not from the last, I mean, because like a couple years ago when you guys were still at the apartment. It was right before I got pregnant. I was not doing okay. <clears throat> I My issues kind of express themselves as anger and frustration and... Um, I withdraw and I just because you know your illness tells you that you just want to be alone so um, which is challenging because I'm also kind of introverted so it feels right you know (laughs) it feels like I should just be alone but there's a point whenever it's not constructive anymore but I I have been on uh, different medications since that time so that's been you know six years do you think it's normal to have to to re-examine your medications after so long? Yeah, Do you because think that's a normal thing. Yeah, absolutely. So the the history is that my mom kind of like <clears throat> after her after I was born, um, she had um, terrible postpartum, and so that kind of brought up brought her issues to light. So basically, my entire life, I. I witnessed her go through, and it was in the early stages then after she had me, so like everything was just fixed with Prozac. So, you know, she had Prozac, and that was the big green pill, and then that wasn't working, so then yeah, they, they make songs about that. There's songs about that on the oldies radio yeah. stations, yeah. actually. Yeah. It's a pill that was Mama's pill that so, made everything I'm, better. Go ahead. I... I had the benefit of watching her have to go through like, oh, well, Prozac doesn't work. Let's try Paxil. Or, mm-hmm. you know, what was the blue one? They, they had, you know, whatever. So they, they, they tried a number of things. So, like, there was a part of me that knew that it was time, but also it was kind of gradual and sneaky. So it's like maybe I'm not actually having a problem. Maybe it was just a bad day. Mm-hmm. And... But, you know, months go by and it's not just a bad day anymore. So, yeah, right. it, I think it I think it is, 100, especially because I've been on that medication for so long. I was a teenager whenever I started. So your body chemistry changes. Changed. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's all I was asking because and, like, it probably is very important to obviously keep up with so, checking in with your psychiatrist to make sure that your the, the, medication is right for you. Right. Depending on and, your and, age and, and your hormones and all of those things. And, you know, they're, for a long time they were just trying things, but things have gotten up. The, the technology progresses and the medication has progressed. So right. I think, you know, there are more options available as time goes on. And one interesting thing is I see the same doctor as my mom and he's like, well, I mean, I tried this on your mom. We should probably try it with you. And of course, it, as it turns out, it works great. 
So, you know, like he has that knowledge of like, this is what we It's a very specific um, it's, it's a unique. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like he, yeah. I, I mean, that's a good thing I appreciate for you. it, yeah. yeah. It's a very good thing for you, I think. It saved me a lot of try, time Short trouble. Shortcuts are my favorite. I love shortcuts when it comes to mental health. <laughs> so, I mean that to like, I mean that like for real. I'm not just joking about it. Like if I can help someone or myself figure out a way to like get there Fast faster. Track. I like efficiency. <laughs> so <laughs> that's definitely my motive when it comes to anything like anything in general. Also health, <laughs> like mental health related. I'm always like, <clears throat> what's the most efficient way to handle this problem? <laughs> like, what's gonna like get me there? I'm like business minded about it. I'm like, I need to do this and I need it to be correct. <laughs> oh, with my doctor, when I approached him about it, <clears throat> about the medications and all, he just played mad scientist with me. I don't appreciate that because yeah. I have too many hormones. Oh, for I that. loved it. I don't. I know you do yeah. because I know this about you. Actually, <laughs> I, know. I know you appreciate that. I don't, yeah. however, because there might be a chemistry difference as opposed to a male-born versus female-born person. As far as hormones go, mm-hmm. testosterone yeah, and progesterone yeah. and, and all yeah. and estrogen. Yeah. So, like for a female, <clears throat> for a female at birth person, I don't like appreciate anything that's going to mess with my hormones well, more well, so than because we're you know like we we already have to deal with a lot. Right, we already got to deal with like the normal set of hormones that you have as a female at birth. And then on top of that, like deal, trying to deal with like anxiety or depression, or I don't need y'all monkeying with that too. <laughs> or even, or even like endometriosis. Mm. Or yeah, we don't have to deal with it. You don't have to deal with it, right? So, like, yeah, because of your anatomy and because of your um, hormones at birth, you don't have the same chemistry as as we do. <laughs> So for you, you're like, oh, yes, I'm so excited. I'm getting experimented on. And then I'm thinking, and for me, I'm like, oh, shit, this is going to make me gain 25 pounds for no reason. And then I'm going to be even more depressed. Well, yes. Hang Thank on you. Now. Well, hey, I'm, I'm a dude, and I relate to that. Do you? Okay. Oh, yeah, I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, well, sure. when I went on what I'm taking, and it's not a big dose, well... The first time a doctor ever tried to give me medicine, he gave me lithium, and I was oh. I did that for what? Like, oh yeah, it was crazy. He totally misdiagnosed me, but uh, okay. I did it for two days, and I went, oh hell no. Because that's, <laughs> like that's an antipsychotic. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not crazy, dude. You're all looking at me weird now, but well, um, no, 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 that's just no. like such a bad yeah. choice. Oh, it was. It's also <laughs> a very outdated. Sort oh, of. Was. well, this yeah. has been you know 10, 15 years ago, but but um, might as well give you a lobotomy. Oh, I knew, no. dude. I took it and I went. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I only went two days with. I went. Nope. Yeah. And uh, I love how they always. I'm, I love how they always say. Now it's going to take two weeks for it to get no, in your system. No. Baloney. My, that uh, is actually baloney. I believe. Yes. Yeah. You're right. I because I can tell you at 10 a.m. if yeah. I haven't taken my pill. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, same here. And all the people around me can. Absolutely. I actually, my kids can The tell people you. who work with me are like, did you bring your pill today? I just had a conversation with a friend of mine where I was discussing with him the how I realized, like, 
I take Lexapro, mm -hmm. and it's a small dose. It's like five yeah. milligrams. Oh, it's not a lot. I'm a baby. That's I'm a baby antidepressant. Oh my right? gosh! I, <clears throat> I take Celexa. Well, I love those 20 milligrams. <laughs> listen. Oh, dear. I'm not okay. <laughs> so. You are okay. You guys don't know me that well. I don't really suffer with depression as yeah. much as I do with anxiety or generalized anxiety or social anxiety, which is why it's very hard to get me to things like this. Yeah. Um, it's only because of Lee <laughs> that I'm here and comfortable. We're and glad also, you're here and comfortable. Yeah, I'm, it's a really difficult for me in this. But Can I ask you a question? Are you yeah. an introvert or an extrovert? I'm an extrovert. Yeah, I'm an introvert. I'm, I'm an extroverted introvert. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, uh, so I have social anxiety based out of trauma. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like, I think if I had not had that trauma, I would be yeah. probably like suicide, right. you know? Yeah. Like I wouldn't give a shit, but like because of, growing up the way that I did, I have unnatural tendencies yeah. in an opposite direction that feels, uh, that's different from, like, my internal desires. Right. You, did you learn that through counseling? Because, like, I, I've just, no. I've just recently, over the last few months, back in June was one of my lowest periods in 20 years, all the way back to when I got out of the Marine Corps and wanted to kill myself back then, but... I was so low that I finally was like, I never went to counseling, ever. Now my doctor gave me medicine and I do all my sort of stuff, but I'd never been to a counselor. Mm -hmm. And I went to my counselor home through now and that's where I learned about childhood trauma and then I like hit all these. Mm -hmm. She's like, you got complex trauma. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> no, no. Unfortunately. I just thought I was a piece of shit. You know? <laughs> okay. No. Um, so it's cool that you figured that out on your own. Well, I was... <laughs> Maybe, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. I think, I think that I am surprisingly resilient considering yeah. what I've been through. And um, I don't know if it's my DNA or if it's... I, I don't know. But I have always been pretty self-aware um, to the point where I've... I have been to counselors even at a young age. Yeah. And account one counselor I went to, like he, he literally I mean, this is like a older dude who's talking to like a young female who's under fifteen. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I was like fairly young and he's just like I'm telling him all the things going on with me and he goes, Well, it sounds like you already know what your problem is. <laughs> You just need to figure out how to deal with it. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay. Oh. Super helpful, doc. Yeah, thanks. And <laughs> so, so that glad you went to school. And so that has been my that has been my continuing problem in going to therapy is that I don't think that I know more, but at the same time I've not met it. <laughs> There's been very few people that I've met yeah. that have been able to dissect more than I've already under, that I've, more than I've already dissected for myself right. like I'm like yeah I already know these things like I'm not trying to yeah. I don't need to sit with you for an hour and talk about like what happened because I already know yeah. I really just need you to help me to figure out how to like actually um, cope mm -hmm. with those things instead and then I learned about cognitive behavioral therapy mm -hmm. and that was 
where I understood there's a difference between so it wasn't that those people are like not smart or don't understand but that's like their particular field so there's a difference between um, counseling or therapy where you're there to Expose. learn yeah. your repressed memories yeah. versus people that already know what they're behavior. dealing with and need to learn healthier coping mechanisms yeah. for mm-hmm. those things. Yeah. And I think that I always, for some reason, like just resonated on that level of cognizance where I was yeah. just like, I know what's happened but I just don't know how to deal with it I just don't know what to do with the information that I've like right put in that's been put inside my brain so it's been a release like and I I would say until this day like I don't mostly I talk to friends yeah I don't really talk a lot to even licensed therapists about it because it's so muddy waters with them and whereas like with friends I feel better just like talking and then they they give me their experience it just feels more organic yes it feels more organic and it's like not so like i don't know it just it seems like it's you're not paying someone yeah well i mean i don't really mind to pay somebody honestly i mean like you you went to school like you you don't really want to listen to this like i'm gonna pay you i don't mind to pay i'm just saying like when it's your friend you know that they love you yeah i mean sometimes (laughs) i would hope sometimes Sometimes but it's what you've learned and you're doing for yourself working for you. Because if it's mm-hmm. working for you, then cool. Yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. like it is for the most part. Good. I mean, I also do go to a psychiatrist and I also do take medication. But it, it's yeah. stuff that I choose to do. And it's not yeah. something that like people are just experimenting me with. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm like, here's my thing. I need this and this. And I finally found a psychiatrist who listened to me because I told them I was like if you give me this I'm not gonna take it yeah. if you do because I'm like I'm not I won't take shit yeah. like well, I don't, I don't like to that. take it it's yeah. so because I'm a woman and I like my body and I want it to be not yeah out of my control and unfortunately I've had bad experiences with depression medication that have made me gain weight and so oh I'm with you on that because like when yeah. I went on I can't take Lexapro because it'll it messes. I want to eat everything inside. Mm-hmm. So I get. I don't even get hungry. It's just I just don't. I just gain weight. Yeah, just to eat like one. I don't eat it. I don't change at all. Just, it's just. It's just your hormones. Just, so yeah, the, it just messes with my hormones. The same way, like he couldn't. He took Lexapro for a long time and he gained so much weight. But and it was really frustrating. Yeah. Because like you know you need it. Because you don't want to feel like shit. But then you get depressed because you've gained all this weight. The, yeah. And that but, was but now the, he just got married. That was the exact and, and conversation that. that I had with but my... But he's doing great yeah. now. And he's lost weight. <laughs> that was the exact conversation that I had with my psychiatrist as I told her that, like... First of all, I don't really suffer with depression. It's more anxiety. However, depression medication does help anxiety. Well, it's all kind of, you know, it's part of the same right. chemicals, SSRI, SSRIs. I also have ADD. What, so, I was, <laughs> what I was going to say about, like, you saying that, yeah. you know, you found somebody that would listen to you, I think it's really important that we take license, you know, like, mm-hmm. they, that you feel like you have some ownership and you can, you can kind of be in the driver's seat as far as your own yeah. mental illness goes and your own mental health, because frequently I think we feel out of control, but whenever you feel heard... And listen to it's really important. And if that's a psychiatrist, great. Or if it's your family mm-hmm. health, you know, your your regular doctor, or even like you said, just talking to your friends. Mm-hmm. 
So for me, it was always like my mom, she knew what it felt like. And so I knew that I could tell her what I was feeling and I knew that it wouldn't, it wasn't going to be strange to her because she had, she had felt that way before. And so it was always really cathartic and therapeutic and you always do. You just feel, things feel smaller if you just tell people about them. It's true. It's amazing how quickly it works. You just start saying it out loud and it's not so scary. That's definitely true. Um, I want to go back to something that you said. Okay. So, did you not want to go to counseling because of, because uh, I, I, I know for myself, it, it, it was a, I'm, I'm a man and I can handle my own problems. There was a level of that. There was all kinds of, I mean, you know, I'm a Marine, spent 10 years in the Marine Corps and I had, I love being a Marine, I love the Marines, but... It did brainwash me a little bit. <laughs> I mean, well, that's kind of the point, isn't it? It's just that there was this part of, oh, if I do this, I'm weak. I'm weak. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I'm weak. And then there was that. a high level of importance on um, intelligence-based yeah. like, thinking and lo- logistics yeah. and being very, it's very yeah. robotic. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not that way anymore, but. Well, part of me is I don't know. You guys live it's programmed you're, in. You're on the other side of me, but uh, yeah, well, how how you organize yourself is still that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much. Yeah, so. But, but, but uh, your personality is not. There was a part of that, and then me being, you know, doing what I do, being a minister. There was also that. Um, who locally can I trust to go talk to that's not gonna that judge me and put my stuff? Confidentiality is a thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. and but just. Because um, what I do is so public. Yeah. You know. Right. And of course, I've talked about my problems and sermons and all that good stuff. Yeah. But just to, but I'm not like up there doing my talk therapy with the congregation. Right. So, right. I mean, I've always been open and honest. I'm doing this, but, but finally, man, it just got to the point where I was like, I have to do something because I knew where I was headed. You know, I've always said COVID's been an accelerator thing. Mm-hmm. I think COVID was my accelerator. I knew I like in May, dude. I had to. I had not felt that dead or just not wanting to get out of bed in, in 20 years. I mean, yeah. So well, I, I, I understand. Well, I mean, all of us have yeah. understand that, yeah. because I mean, yeah. I mean, so so for, there was that, but then finally, I was like, man, you got to do something, and and so I did it. And you know, now, now you said you go through. I got through BetterHelp. <clears throat> BetterHelp.com. I'll put yeah. a link. To I've that. seen those. I've seen those ads. I think it just it's like with any counseling, it depends on who you get. Mm-hmm. I, I looked up and um, my counselor Jen in Nome, Alaska, all places <laughs> up there with all the snow. You got to fly a plane in to get to where she lives. She would know about dealing with some oh, mental yeah. health issues. Yeah. Well, I thought she's there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, big shout out to her. But um, she's awesome. And yeah, and the alcoholism and all that stuff. And but she, uh, I looked up with her because she like really she always says my your success is not my success. It's your journey. I'm just here to facilitate. She's and so, conduit. Yeah, yeah, and she so she just helped me to tap into some stuff and realize some things I didn't realize about myself. I thought I was self aware, but I didn't realize that my trauma affected me the way it did. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I did, but I, I didn't. So it's been good. My wife's like, you need to keep doing this. <laughs> so. I think I will attest to like what you're saying. I think we. When you do, st- and, I, and I've had similar moments of awakening that I feel like you're describing, that when you get to a certain point of self-realization 
And then the ability to also not just realize, but accept what you're realizing as truth. And then beyond that, accepting that you have control over how it affects you. Yeah. And that it's still ultimately your decision on how to go forward with that knowledge and with that information that you have about yourself, the things that have happened to you and the people around you. And then you realize it's not, it's still my choice. Yeah. That's good. At the end of the day, it's still my choice. I can still choose how I want to go forward. Yeah. And I think that for me, like is the most um, hopeful feeling of all of it because like, I don't feel stuff. I mean, I like there are times where I feel suffocated by the realizations of who I am or what I've been through. And then when I'm at the end of the day, I go, Oh, but you know, I still have a choice. Yeah. I still have to be defined. Still have a choice. I still have a choice to decide, uh, what way I want to go. And I will say like, um, like I said before, music is a, is a big thing for me and you obviously. And, um, when my, when my husband and I first met and got together, we used to share music as well. And I shared it with my brother growing up and there was one, um, song is that freedom of choice. And it was given a choice, but you don't want it seems to be the rule of thumb. You know, it's like, use your freedom of choice. It's like you either have, you have a, you have Everybody has that. Everybody has the freedom to decide if they want to go in this direction or that direction. It's yeah. and ultimately, at the end of the day, no matter what, is always their choice. You know, that's like the one thing that nobody can take away from you. Yeah. Even if it's internal. So that made sense to me. And so freedom of choice has been like a common like thing that I just like it's like a mantra in my head. It's like freedom of choice. It's like, okay, what do I want? What do I want? Is it good? Is it bad? Like, whatever. And you just go forward with that. Cool. I like it. It's Devo. You're in the driver's seat. Yes. Yeah, at the end of the day, like, you you still get to decide. Well, it's just nothing ever happened at the beginning of the day. It's only at the end of the day. I don't know. What do you mean? I don't know. I'm confused. That's a good statement. Why does it always happen at the beginning of the day? Yeah. <laughs> no, why does it never happen at the beginning of the day? It's always, well, at the end of the day. But... Oh, yeah. you were... No. <laughs> You're talking about the saying. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's when all the time of the day is in doubt. You've got nothing it's left. Gone. Nothing left. At the end this of the day. the end of the day. The end of the day. There it is. Well, that's your fact. I think at the can I, at the beginning of the day is just where it always falls down. <laughs> on I, had, I had Taco Bell for breakfast, so I basically at the beginning, in the the beginning of the day. You made a horrible choice. I am so. I did not. Just so we're clear. No, I'm so, so weird though. It doesn't depend whenever I eat. Like if I get up super late, the first meal for me has to be some type of breakfast food. Oh yeah, even if I'm it's noon, I'm still it gonna be eat three some cereal. o'clock, and I'm gonna be like, I must have breakfast food. Yeah, strange. Uh, let me ask you guys a question in all this. You know, if, do you got, you know, we all take some form of medicine and stuff, but do you find, like I know for me, that there's certain routines and habits, and disciplines and things that I also need. The medicine's not enough. The medicine just mm-hmm. knocks the edge off. But there's certain things I need to have in my life to help me to recharge or to energize. Or oh, to, definitely. 
What do those look like for you guys? Uh, for me, it's traveling. Yeah. I mean, like, um, like since with COVID not being able able to travel and do my job, you know, I mean, say I'm driving up to Michigan, I got ten hours of just basically free time in my own thoughts. Yeah. And you know, I work stuff out constantly while on on, on the road. I mean, she knows that I'll, you know, well today. Said I'm gonna drive around and listen to um, some mental health books that I've been going going through for this podcast, and uh, I drove around for two three hours, just listening and making mental notes and stuff like that. But it really, you know, that helps me because I feel like um, I have a really bad problem of feeling like I don't do enough in life. Yeah, and. it makes me feel like at the end, at the end of the day, I like to know that I've done something. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that you say it because it's gonna make you self-conscious. But you say it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's one of the biggest things is that I have to feel as though that I've accomplished something, and uh, and that that stems all the way back from I mean to to that whole whole idea of the man is the breadwinner of the family. And all, and me being a graphic designer, that was never going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> there was no way. <laughs> well, and in all fairness, you married a boss, so you kind of I mean, set yourself up for failure. Well, well, we knew that early on. It was like, hey, so I'm a graphic designer and a musician. Welcome to all the money. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be rolling in it. Yeah, it's like just, just paper all over the place. Yeah. What I about think you? Do you want to know what mine is? Yeah, I want to hear everybody. Because I'm itching to tell you. Oh. Just kidding. No, I'm not. But uh, I just thought that, that would be you good. Are. Thought that would be a good segue. Uh, it's a good segue. Yeah. <laughs> it was like you know. At the end of the day, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> um. So. <laughs> What was the question again? What's your routines? Like, <laughs> Other than medication, Other how, than do you, medication. How, do you, how do you set yourself up for success? How do you set up for success? Mental health. And, you know. So, okay. I own a business. Cool. And I'm solely in charge of making sure that business, business succeeds. I, so I have to make sure that I continuously am checking on my schedule, making sure I'm getting back to people, all those things. Yeah. Um, that sort of routine is helpful for me because I can, like, I, I have accountability. Accountability mm-hmm. is really important for me. Yeah. If somebody is relying on me, then that is good for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I need, mm-hmm. because when I don't have that account- structure, when I don't have accountability, like, I guess my drive comes from, like, if somebody is waiting on me or if somebody needs me then yeah. I am better in that situation than I am just, like, being alone or, like, not having anybody to, like... I, I just do really well with people needing things from me. Like, if, if, if you count on me and you're like, hey, I need you to be here at such, such and such time, like, that keeps me... I, I like that. I like being there. Like, being out... Because that, that keeps me on track. That keeps me from going into the wrong directions mm-hmm. otherwise. Like, self-destructive tendencies. Yeah. So, accountability is one that I really like. Um, and self-care. Which is makeup, hair, 
Yeah, doing dude. all the things that make me feel glamorous, yes. that make me feel presentable. Which is on fire right now. It's Thank on you. fire. Very much so. That is... Yeah. The glasses. The glasses that, are on fire. Yeah. The that is... Uh, that's, that's another thing. Aesthetics. Yeah. Just I really having enjoy, time to do your hair is I really enjoy aesthetics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so accountability and aesthetics. Yeah. So like I, I enjoy accountability. I like being... I like having... Um, I like... Even though sometimes it sucks... I still like having somebody there needing me to be there. So I'm like, okay, I got to be there. Because that's one thing that I won't do to somebody is not be You're there. Not right. I'm very loyal in that way. So it's like, I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. Yeah. And so if I have many of those things going on where I have accountability, then I'm, then I'm less likely to get into a point of self-destructive tendencies where I just forget all of the world and I do my own thing which is sometimes not that good for me so there's that and then self care which is like taking care of myself aesthetically making sure that I look good and being presentable because it makes you feel good it makes me feel good and it also keeps me from wanting to hide in a hole somewhere Mm -hmm. because you've taken that time to to get ready I've taken the time to get ready I look good and I'm so therefore I'm able to and that's the social anxiety part where, where I'm able to like present myself because I'm like I look good I feel good about myself so I'm able to be here you can whereas, be confident whereas if in. I don't then I'm like I mean there's been times I can't even go to the grocery store yeah. it's that bad I used to grocery shop at night <sighs> yeah. just because I don't like um, or I put headphones in because I so can't too many people to you, right? so nobody will talk to me or look at me or yeah the like power of the mask right now the mask right the now mask is amazing makes, the mask is actually good for me because I yes. do have social anxiety yeah. I actually like it because I can go out you can hide and people in plain don't look sight. at me and they don't because I know I'm like okay I know I have a pretty like identifiable look and so like I don't like ne- I don't like attention in in the way that I don't want yeah so and that stems of course from past experiences yeah. too because i unfortunately have dealt with sexual abuse i've dealt with uh, negative sexual attention yeah. mm-hmm. and so that's another thing for me and so like part of my beauty routine or like being looking good is me reclaiming that for myself so that it's not for anybody yeah. else yeah it's for me yeah. yeah and because i want it and i like it and so, yeah, the mask thing has definitely been like, ooh, I can go in the store and, like, nobody looking at me. But, like, I mean, when you're, like, five years old and some old gross man with a beard tells you you're pretty, it's kind of weird. That's weird. And so that's what I grew up around. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, I think it twisted my version of beauty, it twisted my ability to feel good about myself beauty-wise. So that's why I a little, maybe fixate on it a little more. Than I would if if that weren't the case, but at this point in my life, where I'm an adult, I'm like, I want to, to have that, and I want it to be mine, and I'm going to take control of it, and it's not going to be for anybody else but me. Cool. Yeah, that's good. So to piggyback off that, my mom and I always say like, if we're if we're not doing well mentally. We always say that we feel fat, ugly, and stupid because our self-worth plummets. And so it's like everything negative you could possibly think about yourself, you do. And so I remember one time I was not doing well at all. And I told her, I was like, and not that, not that 
it, it was just, it was so bad that I told her, I was like, I don't even think, I don't even think I'm pretty anymore. Like, you know, like, I don't even think that, like, I feel like my physical being has changed so much. Um, but it, I think it's really cool that you can reclaim that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think that's nice that you're not, like, just trying to hide somewhere. Well, I kind of use it more as a weapon. I, but than, that's, that's great. Than anything else at like, this point. I'm just like, yeah, don't talk to me. Yeah. Because I, you, you're, you know, I think at this great. point you're like, you can't. Yeah. even go there <laughs> and that might be the mindset actually behind a lot of that stuff when it comes to aesthetics or like being it's overly more offensive it's more offensive yes it's more like I'm setting myself apart on purpose because I don't want you to talk to me it's not necessarily because I want you to pay attention to me it's more that I don't want you right. to like I want you to feel intimidated by me and that is like really weird to admit to total straight. Like, no, I don't know. You totally that makes sense. Like, no, it does make. But that I think makes that, total sense. But it, and so at this, well, it, it serves two think, purposes because I say like it's intimidating to you, but yeah. it's empowering for me. Right. Yeah. So well, it's it's serving both of those purposes for myself. So my entire thanks life, for sharing that. That's yeah, very insightful. Well, I mean, I'm here all day. Old, <laughs> old creepy men with beards, or just. Just adults in general. Hey, I'm an old dude with a beard now. You're not creepy, though. Don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. No, no, no. (laughs) So, people used to say, because I was a cute, cute little blonde girl, but I had an attitude, and people would always be like, you should smile. But I wouldn't, because why should I? Why should I smile? Why should I? Just so you feel more comfortable in my presence? You know, um. I'm a kid. But that was, it, it became. Why do you think women developed resting bitch face to put people off? Because it's like, y'all, I don't want, I don't want your attention. I don't need your attention. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Dudes have resting dick face. Oh yeah. Yeah. You see it constantly. Yeah. I mean, like, I always try and make make myself look tougher when I'm walking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's the do I'm not. Just kinda, a, it's just a do yeah. not approach. Do not look. Screw with me. Look yeah. at me. I'm a, I'm a super bad gorilla. <laughs> my wife says I have that and I don't even know I'm doing it. Oh, I don't know. That's just the way my face looks. <laughs> I mean, Shauna's like, because she'll be like, you look so intimidating. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, dude, that's Because I'm a teddy bear. It's just my face. But she's just like, you just get this look. And it's like, don't screw with me. And I'm like, mm. I don't even know where it comes from. I mean, I know where, I definitely know that my desire for not being noticed comes from my childhood trauma being... Notice in the wrong way, mm-hmm. and so that definitely has a factor in it all. It's like, but at you know, it's like at the end, like at the end of the day. That's apparently the quote of the whole episode. You should just yes. call it that. That's the end of the day. Title. Yeah. At the end of the day, I love it. Yeah, that might um, be the <laughs> But I think my rebellious side, or my like my resilient side, or my life breathing side or whatever part of me that's just like fuck you I'm gonna live is me saying no you don't get to you don't get to own that mm-hmm. part of myself I'm not going to hide my femininity I'm not gonna hide my beauty I'm not gonna hide any of that that's what I'm saying like you're from, taking ownership I, yeah of I'm like fuck you like I'm gonna be I'm gonna look like this 
and you can fuck off. In spite of your expectations. (laughs) No, and you can fuck off. Like, not even in spite of your expectations. Like, you can just, like, go the fuck on somewhere because (laughs) it's not for you at all. (laughs) And also, like, a part of me is angry because I was a child. And, like, how dare you do that to a child? Like, how... I have, like, not not dangerously self-mutilating tendencies, but, like, I pick at myself because of, you know, or, like, even even the overeating side could be a part of it, too. Like, being overweight or what whatever you may call it. It's, like, it's that armor yeah. that makes you, like, think that people won't notice you. Because I was too noticed. Mm-hmm. And, like, it wasn't okay. And, and then nobody protected me either so there's that too so like now as an adult i'm like fuck all of y'all super you just uh, you got you got a plastic bubble i do i do i sure do i mean it has served me well and i do carry around a certain aura about myself that people just i mean i could say probably when you entered into this house and met me you probably felt a little bit of there was like probably an energy difference there. I thought you were pretty cool. <laughs> it's the glasses. It is. I'm telling you. I want those glasses. <sighs> but the fact that is, like, you got out of your car at the same time I did. Yeah. I didn't want to meet you. <laughs> yeah, you just. But it wasn't your fault. <laughs> like, y'all are going to the same damn house. <laughs> Oh yeah. Like, nah. Well, I mean, exactly. you just kept walking away. But hey, you gotta understand, I'm an introvert, so I get it. Like, oh thank goodness. I'm like, oh, I don't have to do small talk. No. Right? This place is cool. Man. No, I was like, fuck it. No, I was so you like, got out of your car and you're like, fuck that guy. <laughs> kind of, like not in like not in like a like literal way. Yeah. But I was just like, I'm probably gonna meet him in the house. Yeah. We're gonna talk anyways. But I don't want to meet him right now. I get it. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to meet him right now. I'm gonna wait till I get inside. It's great. But that's my social anxiety. Yes. Hey, but I totally, I totally get that. I was just like, I'm gonna. Peace out. Peace out. I'll see you inside. We'll do this later. Yeah, we'll do this later. Later, dude. That was definitely what happened. So I felt, but in internally though, I felt a little bit, a little bit bad about it. Yeah, you did. It's all good. I didn't even think about it. So how, so how how do you? Uh, I'm sorry, I like way went on. Oh, it's great. No, um, so yeah, so the, the the self care mm-hmm. is important because it does impact your your opinion of yourself. So being able, to, whatever that means for you, just making sure that your opinion of yourself isn't in the basement. So mm-hmm. if that means that you have time to do your hair and makeup or, you know, like some days for me, it's just being able to get a shower. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I sit here right now, fully dressed. It's not every day. No, man, that <laughs> takes, that takes a lot of effort and energy. Shower, the shower. I showered. So go me. No, the shower portion is honestly a thing that I deal with pretty frequently. It's hard. And I have to say, like, I've been noticing more and more about myself. Like, you notice these things. It's, like, kind of like when you brush your teeth every day and then you notice that you don't brush your teeth every day. You're like, why have I not brushed my teeth? It's another, it's It's another, kind of concept. Like, why haven't I taken a shower? Why am I not showering? I know that I need to shower. Why have I not showered yet? Yeah, Kind of a beautiful, beautiful thing about, like, being married or having a partner is They keep you. 
you no, are more aware. Like if you were just at home being funky mm-hmm. by yourself, you that's might have that's the accountability yeah, part. But yeah, the accountability part, like yes. if you start stinking and you got nasty breath uh-huh. and you realize that you haven't moved for a while and you're getting kind of crusty, <laughs> they're gonna notice. Yep. And you See, care about so, them enough to not do that to them. <laughs> I think I'm a little OCD because I like have to do my No, routine, man. So, man. I hate yeah. I hate showering. I hate See, it. I, have I to hate do that. it. I don't want to. It takes too much damn time, no, I and I don't want to do it. That's because you're showering wrong. No, it's not. It takes five minutes. How long does it take me to take a shower? Five minutes. Less than that. Four. Listen. I do two minutes of a cold shower now for colder today. I don't like that. I like to scald myself, which goes back to kind of like, um, not self-harm, but just the anxiety that makes you do things. Um, I got really anxious in the last week, and I did a thing that I haven't done for a really long time, and I was telling your wife about it. Uh, I overgroom, which is uh, like I'll cut my fingernails and my toenails really, really, really short. I cut them off until I bleed (laughs) because it's just like I'm real nervous, so I guess I need to cut these fingers off now. Me too. (sighs) So, well, I do nails for a living, so I deal with a lot of you. I don't bite them. I don't bite them. I just... Yeah, I don't bite my nails. No, I very... But I will. Oh, boy, I'll cut them real short. Well, confession, though, I do nails for a living, and part of the reason why they're really good for me is because when I have long nails, and I talked to you about this, because you were like, oh, I didn't think that... You were like, oh, that's weird. I I wouldn't think that. Oh, yeah, because... Um, you were thinking like, oh, the longer the nails are, like the more like you have well, you to, think, to mess to with. You would think, but you don't actually because the, the you... thickness needed for the length of the nail is makes them more blunt. They're not. Uh... They're not good scratchers. These are good scratchers. No, it's not that they're not. I mean that yes, but also like like I, I mentioned before, I'm kind of like I, I pick up my skin. Like mm-hmm. I've I've been a nervous like. Like, I pick up my face, or I pick up my arms, or my chest, or whatever that may be. And, yeah. like, um, when I have nails, though, it makes it really hard for me, too, because I can't actually... Like, yeah. there's no dexterity there. So, for me, it's actually therapeutic to keep them on. And, to, uh, and then I deal with a lot of clients who are nail biters, or skin pickers, or um, all of those things. Like, you, you know... I can relate, yeah. Like, I don't bite my nails. I've never been a nail biter, yeah. but I understand the obsessive... Like, I'm also, I'm also obsessive, compulsive, yeah. and yeah. I think um, something that my mom said to me that I really didn't like, but I also agree with, is when I first started doing nails, and she came to the salon, and she let me do her manicure, she goes, this is a really good job for you, because you get to, like pick and you get to yeah. and you get to like clamp you know and like mm-hmm. whatever yeah and I uh at you know at the time and like even now like I still kind of resent that because I'm like she she wasn't coming from a, a, a good Positive place. place she wasn't coming from a good place and saying that but it is sort of true that it's a little bit of therapy for me like I will say I've been doing nails for about seven years and because of my OCD, like, um, anxiety-driven part of myself, which yeah. is perfectionism, um, I enjoy cleaning. Mm-hmm. I enjoy creating 
again, that goes back to aesthetics and, yeah. and the makeup thing and all those yeah. things. I enjoy creating something beautiful. I enjoy making something perfect. So in my job, I get to do that yeah. every day. Yeah. And people pay me for it. It's really cathartic. And they're really happy about it. And yeah, it's very cathartic and very therapeutic. So like in a way, like my job is part of my therapy because I get to do that in a positive reinforced way. And at the end of the day, <laughs> I don't take anything home with me mm -hmm. yeah. because I get it out while yeah. I'm working. I get to like create, I get to that obsessive compulsive nature. I get to do while I'm at work. Yeah. And when, so it's satisfied by the time I get home, I don't have a need for it anymore because I've already done it throughout the day and I'm satisfied because I get to see the end result each time Yeah. and it makes me happy. And I'm I like, would, yes, I love that. I would say that about my own job too. Yeah. Because I do value routine. What do you do? I'm a, I'm a paralegal. Okay. And um, I like organizing things, mm -hmm. and I like for things to, I like to be able to wrap them up yeah. and complete things. You want to see the end result. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think, I think, I think my job is good for me because um, it's something that I can feel confident in mm -hmm. and, and know that I'm good at. And yeah. so like, I can go and competently do it and feel positive about that. So that's good for me. And it, there is a lot of routine involved in what I do on a daily basis. And that feels really good because I like to make a list. That's one of my things mm -hmm. is I'm going to make a list every single day. And I have since I was a kid. And even if it just is like breakfast, shower, get dressed. I need to write it down, and I need to be able to mark it off. And one of the things, talking about accountability, one of the best things for me was having kids because there's somebody in your life every single day depend on you. that depends on you. And you have to get up, and you have to make breakfast no matter how what you feel like. And I don't resent them for it. I'm grateful for it yeah. because it keeps me from just staying in bed and getting crusty. So, and they're, they're always happy and excited in the morning and they want to see me. So like, that's awesome. You have two little beings who think you're great most of the time. <laughs> except you're when the I'm, worst mother in the universe. Except <laughs> when I'm the worst mother in the universe. <laughs> but, no, you got, I mean, we, you know, I, I watch as a observer and I've watched you all these years. You guys are really good parents. Oh, thank you. We, I mean, I see train wreck parents all the time. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. It's, you know, it's it's too. a learning curve every step of the way. But, I, you know, I was telling Lee the other day, love covers a multitude of sins. That's what it says. And so, you know, you and just so does love glitter. them. <laughs> <laughs> so does glitter. That's awesome. It's one of my... I should... I'm gonna go it's home. one of my sayings, actually, at work. I'm like, um, when I first started learning how to do nails... Uh, I remember working with a girl uh, named Nikki, and she was... I fucking love her so much. Um, but when we were, this is, like, when I first got out of nail school, and, like, I was still learning, and I was, like, trying... Like, I was just like, oh, my God, this is, like, anxiety wreck. And she was like, just put glitter on just it. Just put glitter it's on fine. it. She's like, just put glitter on it. She's like, just put glitter on it, and you'll not... Like, because mainly we were talking about the shape of the nail, like, if there's any dents or, like, inconsistencies. I also put glitter up on it. Glitter will cover it. Just glitter it. <laughs> because it's because it reflects the light and retracts yeah. it. And so like it you can't notice as many imperfections. And so that was like 
I used to, uh, I kind of always joke is like, you know, cover a multitude of sins, like glitter will cult- cover a multitude of sins. I'm I'm like they should put that in the Bible. Yeah. I'm gonna throw it on my I'm kids. I'm gonna use that one day. Just yeah. Throw it at them. Because FYI, my dad is a minister. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And I grew up in church. Like I, I grew up in a segregated family as far as churches go. Like I grew up in non-denominational and also Pentecostal and oh, apostolic. Wow. So I got like you every got, other weekend. You got some some wide variety. Of I do, yeah. Yeah, that could be a whole nother discussion. It That's is. Cool. Yeah. I mean, straight we can up. talk about it sometime. But yeah, like That'd be cool. I and I will say this: like I say, my dad is a is a minister, but like um, he's probably the only reason why I have a positive um, thought process when it comes to religion. Just because of him, it. because of his example, yeah, That's he's cool. the yeah. only reason why. Everybody else, like, yeah. but <laughs> no, it. he's he's been the only reason why I don't um, protest. Yeah. I, I guess you could say. Yeah. So it's very uh, interesting to be sitting in front of you and knowing that about yourself and yeah. and, and also where I come from. So it's it's a uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to talk to you about it sometime. I would too. I love. We should. Yes, that's one reason why. I'm I know he totally he's puppet stringing. Yeah. It's the whole thing. It's oh, yeah. set up. Yeah. He already. I mean, he already I, knew. He knew. Oh, he was pulling strings to get her here. I have to say, I'm <laughs> immensely <laughs> relieved <laughs> that you said your father was a positive <laughs> influence because for I'm a like second there, I was getting real scared. What's that? I'm immensely relieved to hear that your father was a positive impact because for a second there, I was getting really scared. Why? I don't know. It felt like it was going in a bad direction. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get real nervous. No, my dad has been the only person in my life who has been uh, a consistent man of faith who does not, who has not been hypocritical in his belief system. Yeah. So I don't always agree with everything that That's he okay. says. You don't have to. But I will say, as far as, like, people go and who he is as a person, he doesn't judge me. Yeah. And he doesn't, he's never, like, he's always just been there and he always is willing to listen and talk. Yeah. And so, for me, that's, like, okay, I can I can do that. And also, yeah. I used to be a praise and worship leader. Mmm. Getting to know me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. so, I've been, this, I've been. You've been all over I've been through church. all the things. Let's hit church because I know that the church does a lot of counseling. <laughs> we we, yeah. we have people that we work right. with to counsel, yeah. Right. Do you find people that come in, you know, with a mental health problem or something like that, that they want to, they basically want you just to say, you know, just pray and Jesus will take it away. And they want that easy out. They want that quick fix. Mm-hmm. I... Not in our context. I think maybe in some context, but us being who we are, and I think... I can imagine... I was told that. I was told that, you know, I probably wasn't praying correctly. You know, Um, we would never do that. I know. But it wasn't. It wasn't. Just like, as an adolescent, like, I think people just have a misconception about any sort of mental health problems, particularly with adolescents, and think like, oh, you're just being dramatic. Well, there is that whole, like, yeah, um, you don't have, you're depressed because you don't have enough faith or something. Right. And that's so not, to me, scriptural. No. 
Um, well, because if you've ever struggled with any sort of mental illness, you know how earnestly you would pray for it yes. to leave you or to be always. healed. And it, and and I, for me, it didn't. But I was given resources. Yeah. And I was like, God made doctors, you know. <laughs> yeah, he made doctors and he made medicine and yeah. he had to take it. I think more it's, sometimes that happens, it's like, I think, maybe in a way, there's some people who think they, they think I can just fix it, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm not a licensed therapist or counselor, I'm a teacher, and I can give resources and help point you in a way, but a lot of times, you know, as a wise... I'm thankful that you said that. Oh, yeah, well, I'm not, you know... Because you'd be surprised at how many people go beyond those oh, uh, we, limitations. Uh, we, we've all heard those people. Yeah, I don't know. You know I'm not, I mean, like, the fact I, that you realize about yourself is yeah. so important because you yeah. do have a responsibility. Oh, totally. Your responsibility is very large when it comes to directing people. Yeah, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a teacher and I, I, I can, I teach you scripture, I teach you life principles, but when it comes to certain, you know, levels of mental health, I always say that's above my pay grade. Let's get you a yeah. licensed or a professional that can really dig into these issues. So, well, that is, I mean, I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that because yeah. um, I don't. I mean, I don't go to church anymore, and I don't. Yeah. I don't consider myself a religious person yeah, either. Yeah. But um, I do appreciate, like again, accountability or yeah. like just people knowing their place yeah. and where they're at and oh, saying yeah. like it's okay to not know the answer oh yeah to something you know <laughs> yeah. like it's, that is okay like you don't have to know okay. everything like the i think that what i experienced a lot in especially the church realm of people is like nobody's okay with not knowing something yeah and therefore they just lead everybody in the wrong direction because they're yeah. unwilling to admit that they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And there's no, like... Like, nobody's sitting there going, you don't know what you're talking about. And, then they're, and they're going, yeah, you know, you're right. Let's <laughs> no, there's a lot of pride. And oh, there's a lot of yeah. ego. Yeah. And I hate that. I, I, I think it's horrible. I, I humility sh- and... Oh, and uh, well, just like the, the humility and the, the being earnest and yeah. honest in situations about your own limitations is yeah. really important. Fact, I think, oh, I'm sorry. I think that a lot... Today, there are churches... The church, I said the church in general, is doing a better job than it ever has. I agree. Um, you know, when I grew up, 70s, 80s, not so much. But now, well, they are trying to it's understand. And, you know, and you see more pastors being willing to talk with their own struggles. And because it's just reality. It's yeah. life, man. Well, yeah. It, well, like, nobody doesn't have problems. No. Everybody got problems. So I always tell people, don't put me on no pedestal. <laughs> well, we, you put we, Jesus on pedestal, not me. He's the only well, person doing Well, we have, I mean, we finally right. have words to attach to, to mental illness of where, you know, back in the 40s and 50s and prior, you know, you were either, well, I mean, back in the 1700s, you were just filled with witches and demons. Mm. But, um, but, I mean, when you were in school in the 40s and 50s, you were just that weird kid that, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I have been told that uh, I I just have a case of the sads, mm. and uh, you know I could just you know if you just take a positive outlook on on your day and find something happy. At the same time, we're like, 
know. And, and I have received that a whole lot. Both of us were just like sighing like would, heavy like on that you one. Would, you would will yourself better. Yeah. yeah. I would will myself better. better. I would. And just, that's, and that's what do you where have to goes. be sad about? You're I've heard that sad, before. Yeah. You dummy. And, it, and it, it's not... It's not necessarily that I'm sad about anything. No. You know, that's because the, whole, the that's, sad and depression are two different things. That's the whole the definition other. of depression is like when you have these feelings that are completely outside of your external circumstances. You can be in the middle of Disney World having the time of your life and be depressed. Oh, yeah. It, can flip, it, it doesn't for me, it matter. Like that. Actually, your description is what made me realize that I needed help was because I was in situations when that you should be, when you I should have be. been happy, when I should have been enjoying myself, and for some reason I couldn't. Yeah, because... And, you, I, and it was just like... You don't have the chemicals fault. you need. <laughs> yeah, it was like nobody's fault. It was it was just one of those... What, what but, but you were still smiling and laughing, but in the, in, in the back of your head you were sitting there going, no, that happens a lot. Like, like when I, I told... When uh, I finally got help, um, after well, you assimilate. Yeah, you learn yeah, how to but, become well, normal. You learn how to like. Friends. That's called dissociation and all that shit. I call yeah. it masking. I got really good at masking oh, yeah, because yeah. I knew the expectation of a situation. I could read the room. I knew what I needed to do in order yeah. to make everybody else feel okay with me. Yeah. I knew what I needed to do. I'd do that. So I could do that, and it was exhausting. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. you know, it, yeah, it yeah. got you through. Oh, you I, knew how 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 people expected to see you. Yeah. It's a oh, problem. When I, when I was... People never believe that I have any sort of a mental I, illness. I finally had a, a, for basically a word or a label to put on myself, and I told people, you know, that I had this, you know, that I was bipolar. The most, the most common thing I received was, well, you always seem so happy, mm-hmm. and and I and I just said, I'm a master of disguises. Yes, in my family, like I said, my grandfather was a really good record keeper. Yeah, and I have an autobiography of my family on his side that he wrote about his mother and his father and his grandparents and all that. He was a very good documentarian and like whatever he like he just he kept all the things and like I have my grandmother's china because of it. I have I have literal written documents from my grandfather. But I learned that my great great grandfather had um, a form of agoraphobia as well as um I don't know what they call it, but it's like where you attach yourself to one person mm. and you cannot be without them. Like a dependency. Yeah, like mm-hmm. a dependent kind of thing. So if you're like, I can't remember what it's called, but like if you, if, um, if they leave, like you're like, well, not okay. you're not okay. Like you're like yeah. totally dependent on that person to feel safe and feel whatever. Hmm. My great, great grandfather had that. And, um, I, I kind of like assim, assimilated to agoraphobia because he wouldn't go out without her. Yeah. Um, and that's documented on papers. Wow. Yeah. So it's. I know. It's showcasing mental health issues all the way back to. Yeah, the, back the to. 1800s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah. they moved across the country in different ways to try to help with that, like going to California because there's sunshine there, and mm-hmm. like try to help yeah. with that, and like. 
Um, my grandmother had schizophrenia, and what? what? Uh, yeah, no, there's all kinds of stuff there. So it's like I know. I think, I think in the journey, in the modern day journey of mental health, knowing your family's history is so important and it is vital to being able to understand who you are and I'm thankful for that information because I think like I said earlier I appreciate shortcuts so like I like efficiency so if I know that I am prone to this this or that because genetically it's already in my family then it helps me to deal with it faster more efficiently and with less destruction and that I think is the most important part of healthcare uh, as far as like mental health goes is figuring out the it, I mean it's just like any diagnosis of any illness it's like if you have a a familial like you know characteristic if, if it's in there already then you should probably think about it and talk about it and like you know it's just like DNA it's DNA think about yeah. think about how yeah. many steps were saved how many months and doctor's visits were saved just by my doctor knowing my mom right oh yeah mm-hmm. you know like okay, well we've we've ruled out X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. so let's try this. Well, right. It is documented that one person's trauma, like say, like say your it's genetic like, too. Like, yeah. Like your mother might have had like really hard trauma on something, and that actually changed her sales in a way, mm-hmm. DNA mm-hmm. or whatever. It impacted and then, her being. And then it and then that gets passed along to you. It's a so survival so mechanism. Trauma actually takes a so physical form. She it's a always, survival mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. Always said so because she was um, she was sexually abused um, throughout her childhood by numerous uh, different individuals, including her own father. Um, she allowed me when people would say smile or behave a certain way. She didn't tell me that I had to do it. She let me be tough and maybe. Um, Maybe not as polite as some people thought a little girl needed to be, but she was letting me do it so I could protect myself. And to her credit, um, I was never exposed to the same kind of trauma that she was. So, right. you know, it, it worked. Whatever, whatever she, whatever she taught me, saved me from what she had experienced. Right. So, do you feel as though that, you know, that your mother? Just try to put it under the rug. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, no, I can talk about it too. You explaining that situation though, I'm I'm happy that you had that. First of all, let me just tell you that because that's not always the case. She um, protected me. Yeah. And you deserve that too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do this. People don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, the question was, do you think that my mama, like my mother did that? No. So my mother, she had a lot of shit happen to her too, so it's not like 
she's not the only person. Like, I mean, she wasn't the... She wasn't the arbiter of your damage, but she allowed no, it. No. She had her own shit. Like, things happened to her, but she definitely did not um, protect. She didn't do what you said your mother did. And that's the difference. <laughs> because, it's like, her... My... My, it's a, I mean, you know, like, it is just, it is generational. Um, yeah. My grandmother, <laughs> my, um, my grandmother, it was the same situation with her, mm-hmm. and she didn't protect my mom, and so somehow she chose to break that cycle. Yeah. Well, I think I'm the cycle breaker, is what I am, because my, both, both my, um, maternal figures like my mother and my grandmother and even my like pretty much anybody feminine in my family on my mom's side has experienced sexual abuse i might be the only one you know because and 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 i credit that to her yeah so both my parent both my mother and my grandmother experienced sexual abuse as a child and i also experienced it as a child and the scientific mind that I have, apparently, or, like, however I think about things, because I try to always turn it into logic, is, um, basically, like, they, in the fucked up relationship that I have with them, is because of their inability to cope with and manage what happened to them, and then also how to protect, like, because she didn't protect me <laughs> at all. Like, she didn't. So, um, I don't hate her for it at all. And I still talk to her and, like, we're, you know, we're as close as we can be given the circumstances. But, and, but, um, it's part of the reason why I don't want children. And I don't have children. And I will never have children. Um, and you might understand this because of religious beliefs, but, um, there's part of me also that feels like it's a familiar curse that just needs to stop. And I'm the one to stop it. Like, it ends ends with you now. The mental illness that has just trickled down throughout my family and expressed itself through alcoholism and abuse... And not every, you know, I, I, they're, they're not all just terrible people and I love them. And, but you know, there's just a lot of trauma and damage that took place over the years. And I just so look forward, like, just not to say that, you know, you should or you shouldn't, but like, I, I feel hope for my own children seeing them and and hoping and praying that I can provide them. I think based on the, the with, conversation we had tonight and how you view things, like I don't think it's gonna be a problem. I hope that <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna make your you're not gonna submit your kids to that. Well, you know, even growing because up Because you are self aware enough to understand that. And I think that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Being you know, it's I think it just gets a little bit better every generation, you know? Like, it's just incremental. Everybody learns. Or it stops. Or it stops. You can, yeah. you know, you can just build on 
what what the the generations that have come before you you know so I'm, I'm hoping that like my boys can grow up and, and and not carry with them the things that the rest of us have have carried okay. I have two older brothers and they're both 15 months apart and I am four and a half years later <laughs> I know my mother didn't want children to begin with so I know I know that. She didn't want anything. Like, so my oldest brother, like, she didn't want him. She didn't want any of us. She just kind of, like, went with it. And, like I said, to be fair, like, I understand... I understand her uh, background. I understand why she's the way that she is. However, I think the difference between her and I is that I have taken the responsibility of, of my actions... Regardless right. of what's happened to me, whereas she hasn't. So you say, like, I'm okay with this. It, it, it doesn't happen like that. But, like, you eventually get to the point where, like, I'm never going to find what I'm looking for in this situation. They're never going to apologize. They're never going to realize that they hurt me. They're never going to know the amount of damage that they've done to me. And I have to be okay with that somehow. I have to be okay with the fact that, like, they're never gonna... Like, the problem with me was that, like, for a long time, I just thought there needed to be a resolution. I I needed a resolve. I needed an yeah. apology. I needed something to conclude the story of whatever it was that they were in my life. Yeah. But the problem is, is that, in reality, you don't always get to your stories you don't so I realize like at and that's where I'm at now where I'm like fuck okay so now I have people in my life they're not my family they're not you know who I grew up with or whatever but they care about me and they treat me right and they do things for me and they're there for me and they exemplify all the things that I like expected from my family. Yeah. And so then I realized, well, I don't have to have a family. They can be that. Yeah. And then on the other side of that I also realized that like I can't also expect them to be my family either because that's too much expectation for another person. Yeah, don't put those under expectations on people. Yeah, you can't expect like people who are in your life um, as acquaintances or friends to be like your family because they're not. Um, because then you set them up for failure, right? Yep. So yeah, that's like all the fucking like the the yo-yo of mental thoughts that go on when you're when you're dealing with trying to recover from traumatic experiences and trying to heal and move on and then also trying to not to like trying not to bring those into your new relationships your new relationships with people so the most important thing that I've learned in the trauma that I've dealt with is it is very important to find peace with the lack of of resolve that you have with people. The idea that 
somebody will never apologize for what they've done to you. They will never say they're sorry. They will never acknowledge how much they've hurt you. And you have to find some sort of place in your world and your mind that you are okay with that. And that takes a long time. It's taken me years to figure that out. But on the upside of that, I will say, once you figure out that you're okay with the fact that somebody doesn't apologize to you for, like, how much they fucking hurt you, you realize, fuck, I have a good life. It'll be okay, old friend Sunset again Rest will follow soon It'll be okay, old friend The sun rises new A new day will Just like the clouds are passing The season went to Just like the storms feel surpassing Joy comes with the dew has listened to Happy Social Experiment. This is the last episode for the year. I wish you all a safe, healthy, and happy holidays. Please visit the episode description for links to various mental health and suicide prevention websites. My extremely talented musical friend, Chris Mabry, wrote and recorded It's Okay. Once again, thank you, and I will see you next year. Thanks for joining and listening. Click the subscribe button and follow us on Twitter at HSEPC and Instagram at Happy Social Experiment. If you have comments, questions, or want to share a story, email us at happysocialexperiment at gmail.com. Later taters. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.